Introducing the one of the best minds in Call of Duty, the greatest mini putt putter in Call of Duty, the co-host of the flank, the one, the only, Ben J. Nassim. What's good? What's good? How you doing, bro? Best mini putter. I like that. I like that. Pat seems to think, AC seems to think that he's better than me at putting. So, like, at some point this season, we're going to do probably, like, a mini golf challenge. I may lose because there's this RNG in mini golf. Right. But I like to think that I'm solid at putting. That, that, needs, that needs to be some content, bro. We need to all see you guys on, on the course, try to get it all down, and see who actually wins. Well, I, we, we tried last year. Just like, it's so tough to schedule when we go to events because, like, we can't really do it after match days because we're all just dead. Yeah. And I would need to do it, like, before or, like, after the event. And Pat's got to, like, fly in later in the week. Out. So we're going to try and make it work this year and, like, do it and see how it goes. I see you, man. I mean, bro, like, what is it? I think, you know, shout, honestly, also, too, shout-out FaZe. Shout-out FaZe Clan. This is, we're in the FaZe Warehouse recording. I know it's a different setup than usual. So shout-out to them for allowing me to come in and record. Uh, so thank you to FaZe. Um, but, bro, how's it been with the offseason? What's it like? What have you been doing? What have you been up to? Uh, I mean, the offseason's been kind of interesting. Like, I took some time off. Um, after champs, like I did the whole run of like roster mania stuff, then when it slowed down, like I went to South Carolina, took some time off just from streaming, just to kind of like get get me right. And then mostly recently, it's been like sports game grind. Like I've been playing a lot of FIFA, Madden. I think NHL comes out this week. Um, obviously, got the beta coming up. Like it's the content starting to ramp back up, but it was yeah. like pretty slow. And and also on my end too is just like trying to do planning around. You know, what do we want the flank live tour to look like next season? You know, other flank stuff we want to do, we've been planning in the background, like, um, just sort of, like, using this time to regroup and rethink and, like, execute some of the ideas, but start planning for, like, new stuff I want to do in, like, the end of the year, beginning of next year, et cetera. Mm. I mean, bro, you you were in a little bit of a drama this offseason, actually. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you already know what I'm talking about. Like, the, it was a little situation between you and Tom and the flank. Uh, what happened? Like, from your perspective, how, what happened? Uh, I mean, I think... So the, the, what happened was, like, I was doing, like, a Halo stream, Halo watch party, and I was just bored. And I think I just, like, I think I made a mistake. I'll, I'll, I'll say, like, in talking about it publicly, like, I don't think I should have done that. I think yeah. I should have gone, you know, it, it was a result of long-tail conversations that I felt had gone nowhere, and I probably should have kept pursuing that path. I think my frustration, I think, like, me and Tom are in a really good level right now about how we want to handle it is just how do we work on these sort of key goals next season for the flank. How do we make our production values and our um, presentation, like, just better, more professional? I'm not saying the show needs to be more professional. Like, we want to keep the same, this is number two, keep the same level of, like, it feels like you're in a Discord call. We got all these pros. Like, I want just the polish to be a little bit better. And I think for me, just sort of expanding, like, our revenue path, like, doing a better job bringing in sponsors and partners. We're talking to a bunch of people now, and I think we're making a good progress there. Fans have been asking for a long time, like, why guys, why do you guys not do merch? Why do you not do more merch at events? Working on trying to get that uh, going. So uh, I don't think I should have talked about it publicly. That was probably a stupid idea. And I apologize to Tommy afterwards. But what's nice is I think we're at a good level now on how I want to go forward. And I think we've made a lot of progress since then the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. So we can expect some some new new ideas, new probably some, maybe, I assume some new segments and stuff on the flank this year? Uh, well, so... As far as new ideas, yes. There's a couple of things we're going to do differently, ideally if I'm able to execute them, both for our online shows, like when we're covering just random match days, as well as, um, you know, when we go to live events. I don't want to talk about um, 
stuff with like those ideas on here because Tommy gets mad anytime I talk about <laughs> ideas on stream. Uh, he's like, "Well, I saved that. We don't want, you know, what I mean, I'll yeah. steal it." Um, but I do think that I think for us, it's about also like continuing some of the stuff we were doing last year. How do we better utilize all the talent on the show? How do we handle sort of the, the minutia and sort of like the middle of the season when it's really boring? Like, how do we keep people tuning in, keep it spicy? Um, are things I'm thinking about now, not like in the moment. I'm thinking about them now so we can plan ahead and be ready to go with how we want to execute when we get to those points in like, you know, April or May or whatever. Right. You guys had like two years where it was pretty much you guys were the only source of like COD review and news, you know, post yeah, like kind of analysis, right? Besides the desk, but that's like nothing separated. Um, I mean, now you have the breakdown, you have the flank, you have a few other ones popping up on YouTube as well. Um, how do you feel about the competition now? Well, it's interesting. Like prior to prior to our podcast, like so you go back to CWL days, like MLG put out a lot of really good what they call in the business like shoulder content, like pre-produced content. Yeah. Like and and I think that's the predecessor to some of the stuff we were doing. Like Hot Mike is is sort of inspiration as well. Um, and then we were sort of the only game in town. I know, like, people did YouTube stuff, like, Tack Rab, Shout Him, yeah. does his thing. But as far as, like, you know, COD-related shows, his community shows, Merck and Maven have their thing. Obviously, the Opti guys have their thing. I think, you know, as much as people want them to be competition, and yes, we're all sort of covering the same news and ideas, I think our show is different. Like, I, I don't think we want to ever get in the business of making a, like, very segmented, structured podcast. This is weird any sentiment that like that's what i'm trying to do and like i'm not like to me the best advice that i ever got was actually from someone on optic mm. it was from hector and and hector's advice is just like just keep it keep it with that sort of discord team speak feel like that's the best uh like resource we have and i don't, I don't think we're ever going to stray from it like there are times where we're going to go off the rails on the show there are times where you know, we're going to talk smack about someone, and then they're in Twitch chat, and they're like, get me in the call. Yeah, like, we've done yeah, that with yeah. Doug this year. Like, we've done that with Scrap this year. Like, I don't, I want that sort of spontaneity to always be, like, a core piece of what we're doing in the show. So, uh, it's good to see that people are creating content. It's good to see that, like, you know, shout Sethin's in. Like, they're doing their own thing, like, creating yeah. a show. I think, like, more people propagating storylines and discourse around Call of Duty, like, that content space is always very good. Um, and how we navigate in that place. I'm always excited to sort of, you know, accomplish that and do what we need to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, going back a little bit too to like the 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 two sides of the you know breakdown on the flank and even your your little drama that happened. Um, do you ever like feel a little? I don't know. The narratives that happen in Call of Duty they happen all the time. Do you ever feel like a little bit like uh, fully attacked? Do you feel like you ever want to respond to it and kind of fight back? Cause I'm getting flamed in the Reddit. I'm getting attacked hella bad yeah, right now. Hold on. You're, hold on. Let's talk about your situation. Because, <laughs> listen, I, I, listen I, I, first off, I'm like an OG Redditor, bro. Like, I want to back up. Like, I used to go on this website called Dig back in the day. Were you around when Dig was a thing? Okay, like, oh, pre, oh, oh back, 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 back you, you and Jesus himself were back when scrolling so on like, Dig? This is like 2007. <laughs> Jesus. I was, in like, I was in like high school, 2007. Before Reddit, there was this website called Dig. It was basically like, it was basically like the front page of Reddit. Before, before Reddit. Before Reddit. So yeah. they, they didn't really have the subreddit thing, like, figured out. Like, the mini community element that Reddit does really well, like, figured out. You just had, like, this front page and some customization you can do. They had a podcast. Ignatian was, like, a really big podcast back in the day. Um, and then they, like, had some raises and some ownership changes that kind of killed the site. And then Reddit came in. And Reddit's, like, it's, like, 
kind of like Dig, but you've got these sort of sub-communities, and I think that's why Reddit's really blown up, because it's not just about the default subreddit, it's about whatever you go to and what your interests are. Right. I think the problem that you have in the community with Reddit, and I think is unfair, is one is obviously you got in some, like, mini beef with things that you said. Like <laughs> yes, some stuff I, I said on the Reddit, didn't understand how much, how trolly it was, actually. And second is, like, there are unfortunate people on that subreddit that, like, will never disconnect you from Lamar, which I think is kind of unfair. Like, for me on the Reddit, like, I, I just don't understand the hate for you because it's, like, you're trying to create content. I feel like some people on there think that you're just using them for ideas, but, like, I feel like that's, I look at it the other way. It's, like, well, shouldn't you be looking for the community to, community to guide what they want to watch in the show? Like, so I just think the hate you get on there is kind of whack. And I don't know if it's just, like, salty optic fans or, like, people that just hate your brother. But, like, I hope it, like, improves because I know you're continuing to do the show more. And yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, bro. I'll back you up. In, so. in, the, in the vault, there's, like, six episodes right now. We have – this is the seventh one now. Like, just sitting there, ready ready to go. So I'm going to keep going, going to keep pushing through it. But it's just uh, – it wasn't expected during this journey that that was going to happen. So I appreciate you, yeah, you know, giving me some words of advice, too, even off camera as well. Um, going into it, bro, where, I'm actually like, my first interaction with you, like hearing about you, was back in the Columbus apartment days of CWL uh, when Lamar came back and was telling me, like, yeah, there's, you know, Ben and Ian and these guys. Like, and then that's, who's Ben? And I got informed, right? But, like, where do you... I feel like a lot of new fans don't know how you got your start in Call of Duty. You've been, since 2007, you said, like, talking about gaming and, and, and really interested in this space. So, like, where does your where do you originate from in the Call of Duty space? So, my, I've told this story a couple times. All right. So, obviously, I used to play Call of Duty all the time. I used to, like, I really started playing Call of Duty, actually, with um, a group of people I met from, like, the Rooster Teeth community. They're, like, Red versus Blue. Yeah. Like, I was in the Machinima community before I was in bit of cod so like growing up i was playing cod with like my friend ray um people always get like it's always hilarious to me that people are like how do you know all these rooster people it's like because i used to play call of duty <laughs> like um but so i started with that and then i got into cod comp uh when i moved to austin this is like probably 2013 my one of my friends steven was just like yo there's this like world championship going on for black ops 2 like like it's been lit like you should watch this guy nate shot like he's SD wizard so I watched, and I was excited, because, like, I was into esports. Like, I watched uh, MLG stuff back in the day with Halo. Like, back when the Octoshape plug-in. This was before YouTube, before Twitch. Like, Man, throwing throwbacks out here, bro. Watching are crazy, like, USA Network show. So I was watching COD, COD Comp. I was excited. I didn't really watch regularly until, like, probably Ghost. Okay. Because I went to X Games Austin and Ghost, and, like, that was, like, the first event I had gone to. The first in-person one. Yeah. Oh, that really that sparked it in you, I'm stupid sure. Stupid tent in the heat at the at the race. And I was there in the tent when Proof got that three-piece. <sighs> or actually, it was it was the ace kind of three-piece uh, kill that he got in Sovereign. I was like, all right, now we're in the mix. I actually went to the after party, like, met a bunch of people there. So I was like, I bet. So I started really following the scene then. And then sort of the tail end of Ghosts. You know, I was watching Clay a lot just on MLG.TV. It just kind of, I don't know. Kind of happened, and so like once he got dropped from Optic, started streaming a bit more. I just kind of like hanging his chat, mm. or like befriending people. He eventually made me a mod in his chat. At the same time, you know, I was just sort of in my free time, um, just like you know, I want to like do something in the scene. There was an old account. It used to be called like COD Intel. I don't know what it was called before Optic Intel. Do you remember? No, to be yeah, honest, there no. was basically this like news Twitter account. And then I think Hector bought it or bought a piece of the ownership. They rebranded it as like Optic Intel. 
And then when they tweet out, like, yo, we're looking for, like, volunteers help. So I tweeted out, like, I, I responded. My friend Alex, who was actually local, I had no idea at the time, was actually also volunteering for them. Yeah. So she hit me up. She's like, WTF, like, <laughs> uh, why do you come to me? I'm like, I had no idea you were doing this shit. Right. So her and I basically ran a social account for Optic Intel for about a year. Okay. As it was a good group of people, like it, just volunteering where, on your free yeah, time. Yeah, that's right? where I met like Aaron. That's where I met like Davis for the first time. Osbo, like my friend DJ. Like there were a bunch of people that I'm still friends with now that I met Optic Intel. Right. So combo that and the Clay mod stuff. Like throughout AW, I was either like hanging on Clay chat all the time, uh, or I was just like, um, can I just like you know. Uh, just like going to events for Optic Intel, just like covering stuff. Uh, sorry, Gersh is distracting me, texting me while nah, I'm on a podcast. Nah, it's all good. Uh, shout out Gersh, man. Gersh made this ask happen. Ask me to so like quote retweet stuff while I'm on a podcast. Like, yeah. We'll get to later. Okay, <laughs> uh, and so I go to AW Champs, met Clay's family for the first time. Great people. Have you ever met Clay's mom and uh, brothers? I've ever met, I don't think I've met his family. No, I've met his, I met his girlfriend, but I've never met uh, his family. But like, they're great people. So I really got like, Became friends with them that year. Um, Optic Intel started to kind of like die once Davis joined Optic because he had to start working on Vision and a bunch of other stuff. Right. And like, I just kind of saw the tea leaves that it was sort of um, kind of like that it was going to kind of go in that direction. So I was like trying to pivot to something. There's actually an email. I could find it. It's like the it's like your infamous email? No. So I emailed, emailed Hector. Hold on. Let me see if we can find this email. I basically decided, you know what, because, like, I met Hector a couple times going to, like, back in the day, if you went to, like, a UMG Dallas, there were, like, 200 people there, so you could just talk to anyone, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it was, it, I mean, even now you could kind of talk to anyone, but, like, it's not as easy as it was back in the day. Yeah, now now it's, like, arena shows, but back then it was, like, you know, Bro, it, that show. the comparison is, like, if you went to an MLB game, this is the LG from yeah, 2016, yeah, like, if you went to MLB game and you saw, like, the people you just watched just walking through the stadium. You could just walk up to them and say, what's up? Like, you yeah. just saw them compete. And you just Back in the day, like, like, there was a lot of, like, standing around, so you could just talk to whatever pro you wanted. Now it's, like, arena shows and people go to the warm room, so it's not like that. So I'm showing Ace. So I, like, at some point in the summer of 2016, I, like, email Hector. I'm like, yo, I'll run the Twitter account. What did I, what did I say? Bro, you, he, he wrote two words. You wrote, a, you wrote a goddamn essay back to him. Yeah, I wrote him a f <laughs> well, I mean, listen, a lot, like... You gotta I'll, show the passion, bro. It's, yeah. it's about the passion. I think I said I would run it for, like, $1,000 a month or something. And hey, that, that's probably a lot back in the day, to yeah, be honest. Hector like, declined. Yeah. So, after AW... So, AW ends. Um, I started having conversations with uh, Enable and Clay about coming on. and Because they needed someone, like... They didn't want a coach. They wanted, like, an analyst. And that's when Bandit Protect started being a thing. Right. Take notes on practice because you know Clay and Ian are passionate. They like forget if they said certain things in in uh, scrims to like just kind of keeping them on the ball. So I, they were like, "Yo, come out to Dotino's Invitational." So I went to that event in Columbus. From there, I started um, doing for like two or three months um, on the side, like analyst work for them. Yeah. Um, that stopped after UMG South Carolina because the new ownership group at the time for phases like. I don't know if you ever met, like, Sebastian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when Sebastian come in, he decided to go in a different direction. And, like, Tommy and Ricky's involvement, it kind of changed. So that was, like, a short-term thing. But it was 
there's like a five month gap because once that a dub once that team fell apart yeah which by the way i hung out with them all the time because they then moved to austin they lived 10 minutes from me uh it was just ian left at that point it was like ian tommy um dylan and and pierce they were like ian's like yo like because chris had gone to go play for echo fox right he's like we don't have a coach anymore like we'd love to have you come on so i started that conversation i basically signed a uh, a contract at like the beginning of world war ii that's where i met eric anderson for the first time and then from there i started working for face so like that's the journey that and how literally like, from twitch from yeah. like twitch just, just a like, fan to like twitch mod managing the team to analyst to coach to managing so i did that damn at the the end of my like phase tenure by like the middle of 2019, I was running the Call of Duty team, uh, the FIFA team, and Fortnite. And Fortnite was kind of crazy because there was just a lot of hands. I'm sure Fortnite on the talent side. Um, and this is Fortnite at its peak too, so like it's probably insane. Well, when the roster was like 20 people, yeah, like, it's it probably crazy. just absolute yeah, insanity. Yeah, it, it was a lot, a lot of shit. So like, um, so that's how I like got in it. and took me with the appointments, the the apartment piece. Like, yeah, I mean, back in World War II, like I used to go with them for the two week stints. Like, I'd stay at the apartment, like drive them around, like I'd cook food at night. Bro, they used to say like you you were no bullshit, like the team dad. I was, I was, <laughs> bro. You used to like tell them like, like cook, yeah, cook for them, and then there was times where you like try to tell like what they could and couldn't do, go out or not, bro. It, there's so many funny stories from that time that I don't know if we could tell here. But, yeah, you were the team dad of everybody for, for them there. Because, because I had to manage, like, I love, like, I'll give you the one by one, right? Like, love Preston, but Preston was really young at that point. Like, yeah. he's still, like, he had been in the C9 situation with Pat. He had been in, like, a team situation that wasn't particularly good. Yeah. This is the first real, like, championship, championship team he'd been on. So trying to get him to, like, the building blocks of being, like, dad and, like, organizing himself as an individual was key. So, like, you know, there's those challenges, like, Crowder had been a professional for a while, but Chris has got his own like things that I have to navigate as a manager. Like he's kind of like we use the word fugaze a lot, like on the show. Like he's fugaze in his own way. And obviously, <laughs> you guys know my relationship with Tommy. Like all the time, I'm telling this kid, like, "Yo, you can't be tweeting that." Like, God, delete that tweet. I probably had that conversation like five times in <laughs> or two. Speaking of Tommy, too, like you know, so you have this journey of of being yeah. involved in the competitive side. What leads you to, or what's the conversation, and what leads you to actually becoming a uh, co-host of the flank where does that idea come from does it come from you does it come from tommy who developed this out and, and where does it come from so after like my stint in managing at that point i had went to esports engine to go work like production and i had a great time there we talk about it more kind of after this uh tom obviously can continue competing under new york and then you know he hit me up one day in like january i think emotional phone call you know, explain the situation with his hand. He's like, I got to retire. Like, I can't do this. So, you know, we were chatting on, like, what's next? And, like, he was going to go full-time stream. He's obviously nervous. He's like, would you do, you know, we'd always talked about doing content together. Like, it's funny I mentioned your email about Hector. You can look it up. There's a Hector tweet from, like, probably, like, 2018 of, like, I would pay money to develop a show around Zuma and Ben. Because mm. Tom and I had hung out so much during the World War II years, people always tell us all the time, like, you guys need to do content together. Like, you guys are hilarious. They just watch you interact, Banter's right? is really funny. So yeah. Tom and I have always in the back of our mind, like, we should do a show together. Yeah. And it finally became an opportunity of, like, yo, like, we should do a show after matches. Like, mutually, we both agreed we should do it. So we decided to execute it once he, you know, um, 
retired. And then, you know, we started having fun with it. We started, like, getting 500 viewers after matches. And then it, like, it kind of grew decently fast. Like It was pretty exponential, to be honest. Like, it was pretty steady throughout the Cold War season. Um... You guys had a monopoly over COD content, essentially. Yeah. After those matches, think, there was no one else really doing anything like you guys were doing at all. I think the biggest growth point for us was probably, like, the hotel room streams we did at Cold War Champs. Oh, I remember those, like, I think man. that was, that was like, the first watch party watch party we really did. And Gorilla that, style. Seriously, gorilla yeah, style. We were, like, in a hotel room that New York had paid for, like, no set dressing, just couches. Little couch like, like this, and just random people coming in the room, in and out. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was wild times in that hotel room. I got back and watched that watch party, and I'm like... Bro, the production on this is is terrible, like, blah, blah, blah. But you had to start somewhere. And then, like, Vanguard year, I think it really, really blew up. Because during yeah. that offseason, a lot of shit went down. And then, you know, Tom had gotten bigger and bigger as a brand. And, like, that's when we went from, like, getting, like, 5,000 views to, like, lives to, like, 15 to, like, the 20, 25 mark. And we started doing those watch parties. So, like, it, it's definitely – I didn't predict it would get this big. Mm. Like, to your point, like, I knew that – when we started it, that no one else was doing the content we were doing. Yeah. I knew that, like, pretty early on in the Cold War year, once we started doing it, that we were, like, very much at the front end of the discourse around any of the topics, the storylines we brought out. But I didn't think it would, like, blow up where, like, you know, we're, we're getting, we're, like, we go live on Tom's channel post-match and we're getting 20,000 people watching us live. And, right. like, we're one of the biggest live esports podcasts on Twitch. If, I mean, not, yeah. if not, if the, not biggest. the biggest, yeah. So that was crazy. Like I don't shout out Tommy. Like I, I think he did a lot of a lot of work to like get us there, and I think keep it like authentic. Yeah. And like that's where we started like discovering talent. You know, we'd had regular guests on. Like Zinn used to come on all the time. Don used to come on all the time. Like we started getting Pat on. We started getting Chris on, and that's how we started developing like our roster and how you get to the situation we have now with the. Talent we have. Yeah, I mean, how do you guys, how do you feel about the dynamic that you guys present? What does each each person bring that makes it work so well? Uh, I mean, for me, like, I kind of come at it from, like, a very sort of non-player GM executive approach. Like, I don't like to sweat the short term a lot, but, like, I will, on the show, I feel like I have good instincts on when a team's going to hit a valley and knock it out. And, yeah. like... Love that the, the like out of the box like problem solving conversation. Like to be a little more data focused. I like to always we'd like talk about um, meta on the show or like maps and and strategies. Like I'm always thinking two steps ahead of like yeah, this is the way that people are playing it now. But then people are just going to overload this lane, and then this is how it's actually going to end up playing in champs because people are going to do this. It, it's like your time as an analyst and a coach before is I'm, like is a carrying over. I'm trying to, to now. I'm trying to do three steps ahead. Right. Tom is, um, I think, very level-headed with his takes. He has a good sense of, like, when teams going to make changes and who's playing bad and who's playing worse. But, like, Tom's role in the show is to moderate and, like, kind of call people out. Like, everybody else has got distinct personalities. Like, Pat is very strong in his conviction, is, loves to be the villain. Of course. Loves to hate on Optic. He brings over all his biases from when he was a player. Like a hundred percent. Like like no like shame about it. Like he he's like it's there. Yeah. I like Chris's approach. Chris Chris is very good at recognizing quickly how the game's gonna play, the meta's gonna play. Then Chris is a good eye for challenges talent. So we're very ahead of the conversation on like who's next, who's next up. He like bounces more off up. you. You guys kind of have that yeah, connective yeah. bouncing off each other. Yeah. Um. 
And then we started having Sam on, and I feel like Sam brings a lot of what Chris and Pat actually bring. So, like, Chris, Sam's really good at recognizing, like, meta, spawns, how teams should set up and how they should play. Yeah. But Sam is not afraid. And I think all of our talent is not afraid to call people out on when they're playing terrible. I think that's our biggest thing is, like, we don't sugarcoat things on the show. We don't baby people. We don't – we try to avoid any kind of, like, you know, like, having favorites. Like, if people are playing terrible, they're getting called out. Well, a good example is people love to, like, bring up the ASIM example. And, like, yeah, we were gassing ASIM in the beginning of the season. Yeah. He was playing well. But, like, we were on ASIM's case for pretty much the middle of the back end of this year when, like, London was playing terrible and mm -hmm. he was up and down. Even though he's a great, even though he's a great friend of you guys, yeah. of you yourself, Tommy himself, I know you, you guys are kind of softball into it, but the critique was a critique. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, I, I try to call it how it is, you know? Yeah. Like, if people are playing terrible, like, for a couple games in a row, we'll call it out. If someone's playing for bad in a series or two like you know stuff happens people have bad weekends yeah like it is what it is form kind of moves in and out but we try and not like i don't care if i piss off like this player or that player like there are star players in the league that have like messaged me an essay after a show really of when i've talked i don't want to name specific people because again i don't want to talk about if they were here sitting on the couch, I'm happy to yeah, talk about it. Yeah, it was face to them. face for sure. But like, I don't want to throw names out there, but there are people that like have hit me up after shows and been like, either like, hey, like, you know, like, I appreciate you sticking out and saying that, like, and I don't agree with you, but here's like context you don't know, or like getting into me, like, you don't get it, like, blah, blah. blah. And then I like talk through with them, like, yeah. here's my POV on it, and we get into like a good spot. Like, I'm not going to be afraid. Like, Scrap's a great example. Like, I should talk Scrap all the time. <laughs> Like, I think it's fair to criticize. Why you hate the kid, man? Wait, Listen, I think Scrap is talented, but I think it's fair to criticize that in big moments this year, like, Toronto has, as a team, wilted. Like, <sighs> they wilted at Boston. Um, and, like, they figured it out, like, they figured it out at Dallas. Yeah. But, like, at Champs this year, like, they laid a massive goose on Sunday. Like, that's obviously the, the back of their mind. It's a young team, point. though. You know, you got you to yeah. give it to them. They're a young team. And... They're, they just they had a composure a lot of the time, but when it came to the pressure moments, there was some cracking going on. Yeah, you got to admit to it. So well, you, I'll admit, like he's come in and like instantly, like listen, he came on our show like end of Vanguard and started talking like all this crap on people when he was gonna get called up. You knew he was gonna be next up. Yeah, and like he delivered on pretty much ninety nine percent of that. What's your favorite moment of the show, by the way? Like I, I feel like a, lot, a big standout that a lot of people have is the um, the blow up with uh, what was it? Who was it? Krim and Pago? The New York episode is probably yeah. Our, the New York episode, I feel like, has the, even has the most views. I think like the second or first most views on the YouTube two and stuff moments, too. There's the Envoy episode where I could tell the Envoy really wanted to like say some stuff about Huntsman, but he wasn't going there. So I was slowly like prodding him over the course of the episode <laughs> to like get him to open up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holidays are easy for some, but not easy for others. Stress, anxiety, loneliness, feelings of despair. It's tough out here. The pressure is immense. But there's relief. Talk to somebody with BetterHelp. Online from the convenience of your own home. Take a quick online questionnaire and get matched up to a licensed therapist that's catered exactly to your needs. Find the bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash breaking point today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash breaking point. Thanks, guys. In the New York episode, because I think actually we ended up 
really helping like all those people like move on from that situation. They that needed episode. that that moment to let it all out, basically. Like if it wasn't publicly, like we could have done it like in private, but like we let them. I think it was almost like therapeutic for them to kind of like talk through all that situation. Like, yeah, sometimes that's a really stupid things. Like, I've talked to Javid about it afterwards. Like, Javid shouldn't have like come in and said what he said, but like that was a great episode. We were able to sort of like guide it as a group to where it needed to go. So do you like are you like But those are the best. Those are unstructured episodes. Those are not the episodes where we're just like breaking down a match. I love those. But like when we're able to just kind of shoot the breeze with like whoever comes on, just kind of go where it goes. Like that's the kind of content we always want to I mean the drama the drama always brings the eyes, bro. It's it's not about that though. It's just I just think for me as a host and a co-host, like I just find that content the most fun to be a part of. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Like yeah it's great. Not, and not to cut you off, apologies, but, like, uh, like you know, the New York episode is flashy and it's drama and all that. But, like, it was a really good organic conversation. And we didn't, like, I didn't sit down with 15 questions before that episode. Right, and right, we were right. we rolling with the punches trying, as an interviewer, I'm trying to figure out how to get what, how to get the best out of them in their answers. Um, but that's the best part of the show is, like, you never know who's going to come on. You never know what we're going to talk about. You never know who's going to be a guest. Like, that's the quality of the show that, like is key and center in our growth and I want to make sure we never get away from that. Yeah, yeah. Um speaking on like some of the some of the drama of this off season and stuff too. Um you, know, you have a new optic roster, new phase roster. I we have probably seen some of your takes on the flank, but I just wanted to see what you thought of the new optic roster and what you think there was going to happen with them. You know, I've been pretty clear with Optic that I'll look into this camera wall. <laughs> it's like it's like I'm like I'm doing a sports center segment. Yeah. Sports center segment. My my thing with Optic is this. They've had some great teams over the years. Mm-hmm. Great players. Um, all-time Call of Duty players. But they, the Optic, and I'm talking like the Frisco Hex Quarters, even though the Hex Quarters closing now camp, right, when they went to Huntsman and then Optic Chicago now here. Because I'm not talking about Empire. I'm not talking about Optic LA. They have been pretty much like a champs, a non-factor since they won an IW. Yeah. Like, think through all the champs since then. World War II didn't make it to the weekend. Black Ops 4 didn't make it to the weekend. Mono for 2019, they were solid. But Huntsman wasn't beaten at the end of that year. Uh, they weren't beating Dallas or FaZe in a match online yeah. at that champs. Yeah. Uh, Cold War didn't make it to the weekend, I believe, right? Yeah, they didn't, yeah. Make it, they didn't, they didn't close out the weekend, no. Uh, Vanguard... You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, right? like, it's been a lackluster end of the year performance when they should all, they should be all together at that point. And I, and I feel like that is sort of the goal with what they're doing here. Is like I think we're bringing in Ken. Is like they have struggled now throughout all these years to get out of the valley of a team. Like when you get every team gets to a point where you're struggling, and the good teams and this is why Atlanta Phase I think will go down as one of the greatest teams of all time. What that camp is so good at doing is when they suck, they're really good at getting to an ability to not suck. Quick couple weeks. Yeah, fairly like, quick. Fairly quickly. Like, see, Cold War is a great example. Like, they got dumpstered at Major 5. Well, you know what happened next event? Yeah. They slammed. They, they slammed. And they, you know, they battled with Toronto in that grand finals, but they end up winning champs. Yeah. Um, I think Optics had that difficulty. Now, I'll give Optic credit last year when the Scump retirement situation was going down, all the drama with their team stuff. They navigated that well and got to a good level with bringing in um, Kyler, with bringing in Dan, but it didn't net them in a win. They had a couple of seconds, and then they mega fell off at the end. Like, they were terrible at um, – terrible, didn't win a map. We're getting smoked in scrims at Toronto. And then at Champs again this year, they were 
like you know, decent. an afterthought. They're yeah, decent, just but like, whatever. They weren't one. They weren't one of the teams making it deep. So, so. so yeah. So is this roster move? Uh, if you had to grade it, you know, an A to an F, what would you? The move of AG and uh, Ken, Pratt and Ken, what would you uh, rate that as a from a grade rating? The AG move is an A plus. I think mm. he's a centerpiece of their team for a long time. I think if him and Ant can figure out how to have the right chemistry as a sub duo on like how they exert pressure on the map, how they influence different lanes, how they play off each other. Yeah. Frontline pinches communication, like they're a sub duo that will stack up there potentially with the terrors with just long term viability and consistency results. Yeah, um, I like the Ken pickup because what the Optic Camp lacks is I think really good long term problem solving and like really running practice effectively. I think Optic has for a number of years been one of the worst teams when it comes to practice, whether they're chalk and scrims. Well, they're only playing on their own host. Late to scrims. Late to scrims. Yeah. Like, just having bad practice ethics. And I know they've talked about it. They've gotten a lot better at it this year. But I think Ken is going to come in and, like, be, like, zero tolerance about that shit. Yeah, Ken's, Ken is – you don't hear from him much, but he's, pretty, he's a cerebral guy. And he's very straightforward with how he talks about things. Ken, Ken has learned from the best on that. Like, he's learned from Crowder. He's learned from Austin. Lamar. Lamar on, like, how to just, like, be, like – that kind of guy when it comes to practice. Practice is the most important part as a team. If you're not doing your practice correctly, like if you're not trying in practice, like you're going to, you're, you might win an event, you might get lucky, you pull up on a weekend and it's all frying, but like you're not going to be consistently good. Right, right, right. I and mean, so, I think the biggest X factor in that team to me is uh, Brandon Dashy. I think Dashy has been a long time since he, since any team he's been on has really won, which is an unfortunate thing considering how good of a talent he is. Um, I think if he plays well this year, they will be a top two team. I think if he doesn't play well, they will falter and be the same thing again. Yeah. So it's so, unfortunate though. But so to answer your question about Ken, I think the Ken move is probably like an A minus A. I think the time will really dictate on how that move is because Ken's coming in and is kind of gonna play like third fiddle on that team. And so when you get in that situation, depending on your team system, either it's super hectic and you're going to play inconsistent because there's chaos in the map and you're doing your best. Or it's all going to fall into place and, like, he's going to be able to bring out the best qualities in him as a player. Right. So I think time will tell and will also at some point get scapegoated by the fans because that's how it goes. I agree with you, though. This team's successes and failures are, like, kind of Dashy's the biggest X factor in the team. Yeah. As it was with New York this year with, I think, like, Priesta as to why they were really good. I think, like, when they're playing their best, it's going to be when, like, Brandon is able to be, like, impactful. I'm not talking about kills. Because Brandon can get his kills. He said he kills every time, basically. Saying so. as, as a teammate and like getting better every day and like and like being almost like a quasi secondary leader on this team, like yeah. I think that's super important. Otherwise, to your point, like yeah, they've got all this talent, but for Optic, like being the fourth best team, the third best team in a year is like not good enough. Yeah, they've had that for six years now, and like if it happens again, like you'd have a real conversation about like why is this this group continuously failing at like. You know, yeah, you have a great head-to-head -head record of recent years against Atlanta Phase, but you've won the same number of events as they have over two years. They've been to Champs Grand Finals more than you have. Like, and they have better play average placings than you. Better, way better average placings, yeah. average money than you have. Like, would you rather take their situation or your situation? Speaking on them, too, I yeah. mean, what about their, their draws of pickup? A, a, what kind of, well, what's your rating on that? What's your grade on that? What's your thoughts? So, the big, the big things for Phase this year is I love MC. You know MC's my duo. yeah. But MC's got this play style thing they need to figure out now where when he's got a sub in his hand, like, he plays super fast. Like, you've seen with him on the sub. Like, he's really good. But with the AR, 
And I don't know if it's them play, having him play this way or the way he wants to play, but him and Austin just have too similar of a play style on the map, and I think it was a huge problem last year. Mm -hmm. I think if you watch them play control, I think it's a good reason why their control was fucking terrible last year. Uh, they was great in search. They were phenomenal because of in search. Yeah. And once they figured out kind of how to play hardpoint, like, they were really good. Yeah. His control lost him that year. So I think putting MC in the right role, making sure that Simp is more comfortable because he had an off year, and I don't think that's an individual skill thing because of the AR issue. Uh, like, he was just stuck in this quasi-weird hybrid role and was never able to be comfortable. Yeah. So I think Draws coming in makes all the roles work. So I love the move. I love the intensity. They're going to still be, like, probably the best team in S&D of, of the, in the league. I'm a little worried about their communication is the biggest thing. Because I, I've, mm. you know, if you watch Thieves play, like, Draws isn't like a motor mouth all yeah, the time. Yeah, he's energetic, but is he, is, he, is he calling out everything? Not exactly. Yeah, he's very energetic on the map. He's definitely, uh, you know, getting the kills he needs and, and making, making an impact. But is he the leader in terms of, you know, in-game leader? I wouldn't say so. I think MC or Simp has to step up this year in their communication and, and be more of a leader presence in-game. If they can do that and shot call well, like, they will be another team that's getting, that's making it to every Sunday mm, for the most part. That's a big um, claim. Well, I mean, they were doing how would you, it. How would you grade it, though? They were doing it in Cold War with Alec, and that was clearly an issue. They were doing it last year. But, like, whether or not they can convert that into, like, multiple event wins and a champs win is, remains to be seen. I like the move for draws, um, but if they can get over this communication thing, which I think is going to be their biggest problem, like, they will they will be the team that nobody ever wants to play. You know? I mean, they're, 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 if those three with – I could be the fourth guy on the team, and people will still be like, that's the team I don't want to play. I could be running a sub, an AR. I could be running – I'd be running around with a knife, and you still wouldn't want to play that Atlanta face team if I was playing uh, the fourth guy on the controller. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're that good. But I think with Draza, personally, with me, I think it's an A-plus move, personally. Yeah. I think it's an A-plus move. Um, it solves a lot of their problems. I think, you know, having a, a guy come in that they all – Really, you know, fully believe in and 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 his skill set is going to be really good, especially because sliding is back too. Draws is a demon, snaking demon. It's all going to work out, I think, my mind perfectly. So, what are your like individual plans for the like your full time content, your future plans? Considering you know the flank is there, of course, we know you know you from there, and a lot of people watch that. But for individually, what should we expect from Benjay on the on? The, are we getting putting streams? What are we getting? Uh, so like I've been trying to expand like the individual content. I do a little bit more. Like, it's a variety stream. Like, I've been doing those golf streams. That's been really yeah. fun. I've been playing terrible, so. Um, I think I'm putting a lot of energy right now in this sort of, as an executive producer of the flank, like, putting in a lot of time into improving that product. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing you'll start to see us do this year is experiment a little bit more about how we deploy the talent on the show. You may not see everybody on every episode. Um because we do so much content anyway, it's trying to find the best combinations and like when to have everybody on the show, when only have some people on the show. Like depending um, on depending on if it's like a if it's like a good match or bad matches and it's like kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, you may see some episodes where we're doing some off COD stuff or like interviews where it may just be me and Tommy. Oh, okay. But you might have some episodes where it's a banger match and we want to get the full talent lineup on. From my perspective, like I don't know if every episode is going to have the full roster on it. Mm. So. Part of that is, like, people have day jobs. Like, Pat Pat has got a video game that's coming out soon. Yeah, yeah, x Shout out, Pat. Check out x if you haven't checked out that game. So, like, Friday episodes were always tough with him because, like, he's working. He's not really watching. But we love to have him on Sundays and Saturdays. So, Tom and I have talked about, like, how do we 
work with Pat, like he may miss a couple of episodes. He already misses the first day of matches anyway, live events. Um, you know, uh, I would love to do more like challenger stuff. Like how do we start working that in a little bit more? Yeah. You know, the watch parties we do for the elites are great. Um, how do we kind of expand that more into the flank side with the platform? Um, Tom loves doing tournaments. Like how do we do more flank invitational tournaments? We did one last year. Probably talk to Activision again about running another one. Um, kind of seeing what we can do. Uh, I'm trying to really spin up more like merchandise around the flank. Mm. People ask us all the time, like, I get those lens shirts, the flank world tour shirts. We're working on it. Yeah, the, I mean, I saw it. you guys were getting a lot of attract, a lot of uh, attention, and, and, and people really a big interest in the, you guys' merch stuff. Um, I forgot it was at the Dallas Major last year. You guys yeah. put out your first kind of like editions yeah. of things, and people were loving it. You guys definitely need to get that merch stuff going crazy. We had a collab I know recently with the uh, statement, statement of, of right. Yeah. That how did that do? Did it well? Uh, as far as I've talked, why aren't to you Tommy, wearing the shirt? Hey, by the way, why aren't you wearing the shirt? Why aren't you repping? Wearing some goddamn crocodile I, riding I a gotten, unicycle I shirt. Gotten, I haven't gotten the merch yet. Hey, man, I don't know what company this is, but you're rocking the wrong merch right now, baby. Lacoste Netflix. Lacoste Netflix. Shout out Lacoste Netflix. Not the, Lacoste. He's not wearing the flank stuff. What a dude. Nah, you're a hater of your own stuff right now, bro. Bro. <laughs> nah, but, um, but real talk, though. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to have, obviously, that, that collab is really cool. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of our feedback we've gotten from that is really nice that we're going to use for future drops. For sure. Um, Maybe with Dylan, I don't know, but we want to do what I would love to do with the flank this year. What I'm working on is getting more always available stuff out there. Mm. Like we, essentials almost, right? Yeah, we are going to talk to, you know, I don't know what the schedule looks like for next season. But as soon as I know, we're going to talk to like most of the teams and be like, yo, you know, do you want to collab on merch? Like mm. all that stuff. Um, and then one thing I would love to do is just like, you know, there were catchphrases and things that we would say to start to, like, become memes on the show. Yeah. Like, I'd love to turn around merch quickly. Like, Pat did the blow it up thing. Yeah. Like, I love what Barstool does, like, you know, on part of my take or on Dave's podcast, like, a meme will start. They instantly have a show or, like, a piece of merch up, like, the next day or the day after for pre-order. Like, I'd love to start expanding that so people can, like, support our show. Yeah, and, and catch, catch, the, catch yeah. the wave as soon as it starts going. Yeah, because we were just experimenting with merch this year. We were just, like... We'll do these drops, like we did the the stuff at Dallas, but like I, I've that stuff takes a lot of planning. Yeah, like it's for not sure. easy. We got someone's got to do the art. We got to approve designs, deal with the logistics. All, all, while, all while you know you we're guys just, are planning the shows and yeah. Tommy streaming and everything. X Y Z is happening. But we also like what it comes with having a storefront, which comes with having a storefront, store, online storefront. Oh, I was like, it comes with having like a like a landing, like a splash page for the show, like. There's a lot of pieces that go into that whole for strategy. Sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. So we have Twitter questions. I'm going to say the at who they're from, and Ben is going to answer them exquisitely. Hold up. I need to tell you something. Skip the stress of meal prepping with Factor. Choose from 35-plus weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and are custom to your dietary preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready in less than two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash breaking50 and use code breaking50 to get 50% off. Once again, that's code breaking50 at factormeals.com slash breaking50 to get 50% off. Thanks, guys. From Asim. Oh, this comes straight from Asim. He says, how in the hell does he keep up with every sport in the book? Golf, soccer, football, basketball, tennis, pickleball, F1, you name it. Ben J. Nassim watches it. How do you keep up with everything? Is that all you do? All you do is watch sports? No, I don't. I, I I don't always. Okay, 
I watch a lot of sports. Let's be honest. I just grew up like watching Sports Center all the time. I mm. watch ESPN. Um, so I've just been a big sports fan since I was like eight, seven. Like, <laughs> I think like what like pivotal moment watching the Yankees like '96 World Series, like stuff like that really grew my love for all things sports. And I just fall like fall everything like baseball, both footballs. What's your favorite sport? Probably soccer to follow. Wow. It's just it's just because it's all year round. Like, there's really no dry periods of like football. Like, you can find some some yeah. league somewhere that's doing something. If, if like you know, European football is obviously like the the best thing to follow, highest level. Yeah. Like when that's not going on, you've got like you've got like the international games or summer tournaments going on. Yeah. Then you get friendly season, so like it really never stops. To be honest. Okay. Uh, this is from X Y X or N Y X L Roosevelt. Start bench sell. Gershon, Trick Plays, or Nick Scotts? So wait, what are the three options? Start, bench, or sell? Gershon, Trick Plays, Nick Scotts. Start, bench, or sell? Um, Who's your starting player? I'm starting Nick. Okay. Who are you benching? I'm benching Jace, and I'm selling Gersh. You're selling Gersh? Yeah. Nah, hey, Gersh. Nah. Hey, bro, you're my starter. Don't worry, Gersh. Smooch, smooch, kiss, kiss. Gersh is my number one. Uh... What is Ben's dream venue for a Call of Duty event? Oh, dream venue. If we're talking North America, probably like Madison Square Garden. Okay. Like MSG just hits. You know? That would be insane. It's yeah, just it's like, just I'm a sports fan. That's just uh, the Mecca. Honestly, an event at the Sphere would go. Have you seen the pictures of like and the videos from the Sphere? Oh, the Las, Las, Vegas, Vegas, sphere? Las Vegas? Bro, it's insane. Having, having any type of like esports event inside of that would be so be immersive. That would be crazy. Yeah. Um, but as far as like overseas stuff like i'd love to do like an event in japan love for like some event and like i really want to go to like spain or portugal they have such cool. a crazy esports scene yeah. there everyone like, like i mean some of the biggest streamers are from there like yeah. that's how much they love gaming so. okay uh here's a quick one does ben like spicy food i like spicy food i don't like super spicy food but like would you do a one chip challenge with me well, oh it's, it's I, yeah it's cool let's do it yeah yeah you're actually down i'm down you're not lying I would do it, yeah. All right, we'll talk, the about, one, we'll, we'll talk about off camera then. The one chips are really, I know they're like crazy spicy though. Yeah, the one this year is the hottest one ever. Yeah, so, like, it's like gonna you be, might need to give me a glass of milk, but like. Oh, we'll have ice cream, we'll have everything there, like, but I have a content idea and this, I'll tell you off camera who's involved now. All right. But I'm down, I'm down. All right. Uh, this is from Greg and he works for Esports Engine. Uh, question for Ben. What did he learn working for an organization like Esports Engine versus being part of a, the scene with FaZe or the Flank? Compare the two types of environments within Esports. I think the biggest thing I learned, worked from, learned from Esports Engine is, and this is really from Adam and the, the team around Adam, then why I think they were so good, you know, prior to getting bought by Activision and then starting out their own company, uh, they're really good at problem solving. They're really good at being solutions oriented. And especially in the consulting business, they're so good at, like, not always assuming the client is right. Like, I literally, one of the first calls, I'll tell the story, one of the first calls I when I joined Esports Engine, First call, it was a call with uh, Adam, it was like our team and like the New York subliners and like Scott Wilpon was on the call and they were talking about um, their ideas. I think it was for either their Overwatch event they ran that year at Hammerstein or the Call of Duty event that we were planning that obviously never happened because of COVID. Right. Um, and they had an idea and it was like a pretty mid idea. It wasn't a terrible idea, but like they could do better. And Adam immediately, like to someone like Scott, by the way, who's like, you know, a, very influential. A big guy, a yeah. A big guy, like. Basically, it told his face being like, 
that's a good idea, but like, here's a better idea. Mm. A lot of people in the esports industry, I feel like, are just yes men and they don't want to actually challenge people because they're too afraid to lose their position. Like, learning from Adam, always being like able to be solutions oriented, even if it's not the solution that's being pitched to you, right. is like going to get you uh, places for sure. Okay, okay. Um, How was the experience being bald? It was you weird. were you were actually mad weird. sexy being bald. I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. You should. I, I think you should consider the buzz cut going back to it. Uh, Your hair's kind of short now, but that yeah. dude, the, the bald was. You were rocking so that, that shit. So that like first. <laughs> so I think I told this story on stream. Like I when I went back that night and like went to bed was weird. Like head on the pillow, no hair. <laughs> the, the weirdest thing was waking up the next morning because I had to go back um, and do the watch party. And taking that first shower bald is so weird. Really? You're so used to, like, shampooing your hair, yeah. like, conditioning your hair, you know, repeating, and just feeling like nothing there. But tell me. skin is just weird. But tell me the shower didn't take five seconds. Yeah, but I felt like my hair was, my head was, like, drying. <laughs> it, it was, it just, the sensations were just unnatural and weird. So, yeah, I could maybe do it, like, super short, but I wouldn't get it, like, buzzed again. Okay. Which pros of pastor president or which pro of pastor president could you beat in a 1v1? Pastor president? Or would you want to play in a 1v1? Call someone out either or say you could beat them. I might have to set up a 1v1 in the offseason or during the season. I don't know if I want to answer this question. Come on, bro. Call one, one person? Anybody. Imagine I beat Tommy in a 1v1. That would be entertaining. Dude, if you beat Tommy in a 1v1, I would flame Tommy for the rest of his life. <laughs> no bullshit. I, flame I, the rest gonna, of life. I think I'm going to lose 99 of 100 times, but maybe that one time I get lucky. All right, you're calling out Tommy for 1v1? Yeah. We'll make it happen. With you being someone who's never played Call of Duty at the highest level, how does it feel when professional players respond to your criticism by immediately discrediting you due to your lack of credentials? Ooh, that's a great question. That's, that's real good. That happens a lot. It happens like multiple times a year. Yeah, it does. Uh, I just don't care. I mean, because my thing is, even though people are professionals at a game, they may not know the best way to build teams or how to conduct themselves as a teammate. Or even, like, I I've heard players discuss, like, how they think of game plays or their thought process on, like, how to play Team Call of Duty. And I'm like, that just isn't going to work. Like, mm. So I, I just don't – I just ignore the criticism for the most part um, and just kind of keep doing my thing. And I'm, I always tell, like, people that bring that up, like, I'm happy to, like, ha have a conversation with you where I, like – explain my perspective, but I think it's such a weak insult. Like, okay. it's a Max Kellerman thing. Like, it's just like, come up with something better if you're trying to, like, swing at me. Okay. Um. <laughs> Mary kill. Zuma eggs parasite. <sighs> uh, I'm fucking Pat. Jesus. I'm fucking Pat. Or I, Pat, I'm marrying Tom because he's my duo, and I'm sorry, Chris, but you're the yeah, one. He's got to go? Yeah. Okay. Okay, that, those are the Twitter questions for now. We're going to hop over to Reddit because we have basically five minutes to get through all these. So we're going to go and get this going. What do you think the lower tier teams in the CDL need to be more successful? It can't just be all about talent. There's still a lot of talented players that can be picked up. What is it? Uh, trying and practice. I have heard, I, I've heard so many stories of teams that you knew were struggling last year, this year, the year before, 2019, MW. And most of those teams, you had one or two players that just weren't giving 110% every day in practice. Mm. Like, you look at the elite teams, Toronto and FaZe, I think, are the two best examples because they've been good now for pretty much most of the CDL. Those teams have really good practice and work ethic. Right. A lot of other teams that are lower don't compete consistently. Like, they just... They have teammates that just don't know how to just give it its all every single day. And, like, if you're not doing that, you're not going to get better. If you're not going to get better, maybe you get lucky and win an event because you just fried on a weekend. Like, 
LAG at a Minnesota. They just got, you know, the right weekend, the right time. But most of the time, it's just not going to net in, like, any consistent kind of results or wins. Mm, mm. Okay. Uh, on the Reddit, how long have you had those stinky slippers? Oh, I, this is... <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen. Come on, bro. I, they're not... First off, they're not stinky. This is Tom just making up. I probably buy those new pair of slippers probably, like... I probably buy a new pair like every half year. They don't. They don't really go bad. Um, they only go bad if I'm a moron and I'm like, I'm gonna like walk outside and grab something, and then I introduce them to like the weather, which I shouldn't be doing. But they're not like I don't. It's, it's just Tommy memeing on stream, bro. Okay. Oh, so, so re reality, there's no truth to the the stinkiness. Okay. No, it's just it's just cap, bro. Like it's just cap. Okay. Two more questions because I know you gotta go. Of the rumored rosters, not including the big five, who do you think is going to be the biggest surprise winners? Boston. Mm, I agree. I think Boston got really lucky this off, really lucky this offseason that um, Austin landed in their plate. That's exactly the kind of player they lost when Zinn left, like a veteran who's won that knows how to get there. Yeah. And Preston Priesta getting off of New York and being available and then bringing him in, that's another player that knows how to win. They've gone from having, like, the least experience in the CDL to so having, literally some, like the most. having the most and pairing that with, you know, a player like Snoopy who's got massive potential potentially, Capsule massive potential. Like, I could see that team hitting the ground coming, hitting the ground early and being in there with the top four, top five conversation and being a good team. And just being gross, absolutely. Which they were last year or the year before. Like, they were always solely a top six team. They were just ne they were never beating, like, they were always going to be at best a third or fourth best team at an right. event. Like, they make a single final. Right. They've made a grand final at all since they've been a franchise. I think with Austin and Priesta, they can definitely get there. Last question. Ask Ben if he wants to be signed by FaZe. He's always working with them, but not actually signed. What's the situation? I mean, listen, I love to join an org. No, no orgs have ever hit me up and been like, yo, let's join. And Why don't I, you hit like, them up? Yeah, my, my thing is, like, I would do it. I just don't – I have a lot of ideas, and I don't want to go into a situation where I'm pitching ideas involving myself, and they just steal the ideas and don't take me. Like, I don't want to give people, like – Relics of that, but like I'd love to do, I love to join FaZe. Like, I love to join Optic or Thieves or whatever, but no one's, none of these orgs have ever like hit me up and been like, yo, like let's talk like in a recruitment conversation. Mm. I mean, it's esports winner, so I think I, it, once it is, we kind of climb out of this, yeah. I feel like you'll be one of the top prospects because you're on the flank, you your streams do well, your videos do well, you're you definitely have the, the behind-the-scenes production value for yourself as well. So you're just a you're an absolute commodity that's just not picked up yeah. maybe because of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm out there. I just, like, going – if I go to an org and pitch them, like, I'm killing all my leverage, you know? Yeah, I hear Like, you. it's way easier for them or going to be way better for me personally if they come to me with ideas and we can collaborate on what that relationship looks like. Yeah. But if I'm going to them and saying, here's my space and, like, here's my numbers and I'm just being, like, lobbed on – hopefully I'm getting lucky I'm getting lobbed on to some – Brandy or Jigsaw in some puzzle yeah. instead of them actually trying to like come to me first with that idea. Hey man, yeah. I know you got to go, so I'm gonna let you go. But thank you for the time. Thank you for being so candid with your with their during the interview about everything that happened, the drama. Uh, looking forward for the game and see what your streams come and the new content ideas and the flank. What you I know you have some some sick ass ideas for that. So looking forward to that. Any last last message to your fans, the fans, the flank fans? What do you got to say? Well, first, you and I should run this back. We should do like another episode, like. Not time crunched? Like January or something, <laughs> like before the first event or something like that, or yeah, after the yeah. second event, I don't know, and talk about the season. But, like, I mean, I appreciate all the fans, Flank fans, Benjamin Nassim fans, Zima fans. Like, I didn't think in 2019 that, like, I would be doing full-time content, but I just continue to be a behind-the-scenes person. Like, the growth, and this is basically on the community's end, has been insane. So, like, without you guys, I wouldn't be here. 
Uh, and I'm excited for the future, whatever it holds. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you for always being a real one. And uh, yeah, the stuff in the next th next thing I'll talk about between you and I that you've helped me a lot with. We'll talk about it next time. Yeah. I know you got to get out of here. That's it, guys. Exclusive episode, I think 14 or 15 uh, with Ben J. Nassim. That's it. Shout out FaZe Clan for letting me use this space. Thank you.